everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen conflicts in their home. This is Melanie Hempy, and welcome everyone. If you are new, we are so glad you found us, and everyone else, welcome back. I have an email that I have to share today. It is, uh, I won't read the whole thing, but I, I, I got an email from a parent who asked me if it was okay if her 10-year-old son played Fortnite if he had good grades and did his chores. She said, he plays every day, but I feel like he deserves it. Wow. Okay, there, there are a couple things I just have to say, and I thought I would just share this today because I think our guests can kind of talk about this a minute too, maybe when we get there. But first of all, games are, are nothing like they used to be. So we have to continuously remind ourselves that the persuasive design elements in games today are, are not like Pac-Man. So we have to get this out of our head that they're just benign. They're loaded with all sorts of persuasive design elements that are just going to keep our kids wanting more. But when I first read this and I hear that this 10 year old is playing Fortnite, I just have to remind everybody that Fortnite is not for 10 year old boys or girls or kids or I don't understand. And I guess I do. Let me back up. I do understand because I was that mom who allowed my son to play all sorts of stuff. I had no idea what he was playing. But I will tell you that the rating out there for Fortnite is 13 and above. So I know that probably there aren't that many 13 and above kids playing Fortnite, that the majority of the kids playing are 10. So that's the first problem. The second thing is if he's playing every day, there is a problem. You're setting him up for future problems because you're sort of, it's sort of like a gateway thing where once he starts playing every day, it becomes a normal part of his routine. And it's going to be really hard to stop when he hits middle school and all of a sudden he wants to drop out of everything else and then just get into hours and hours and hours of more gaming. So playing every day is a warning sign that there's a bigger problem. And when you say that he's doing chores, she says here, he has good grades and he did his chore. He does his chores. What chores is he doing? Because I think that I think most of our kids, and again, I'm, I've made more mistakes than anybody out there. So just everybody remember that I'm not judging anybody here, but I think that most kids don't have enough chores. Um, like for example, if you are doing the dishes while your son is playing Fortnite, there's a problem, right? And with homework and daily chores around the house, like doing the dishes and the laundry and cleaning and doing the yard work and weeding and doing different things. Your kids really shouldn't have a lot of time to play video games. They need to read. They need to exercise. They need to practice their music. I mean, an hour a day on Fortnite is really not a good idea. So we got to get our kids doing more chores. Every minute that he's on that game, he's missing other developmental activities. They're much better for him. And then the the final thing that I'm going to say is that little gamers grow up to be big gamers. And what you train your kids to do and what they're allowed to do and practice when they're little really affects who they become. It affects their personality. It affects everything about their life moving forward. So as their parent, we have to maybe err on the side of caution and not allow addictive activities in our kids' lives while they're young. So I am so excited to introduce 
James Good. He is a former gamer. He's going to be speaking to us today about his experience about his gaming and where he is now. So welcome, James, to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into video games to start with. Why don't we talk about that and get started? Sure. I probably started playing video games at three or four years old. Just an occasional thing with the family once a week on old retro games, really old consoles. Like it was never a big problem. And as I grew up, I was always an active kid. I was in the scouts, played football, spent a lot of time outdoors, was really bright and did well in school. But then as a teenager, similarly to what you mentioned in the, in the email, as you play more games throughout your teenage years, you become more dependent on them and you slowly start to replace all your activities with video games. And I played every day from the ages of 15 through to, well, probably 20, 22, I don't know. Wow. And eventually when I went out to university, I no longer had any like, responsibility from my parents. They weren't telling me what to do and keeping me on track. And that's when things really fell apart. And I would play all night, every single night until 3 a.m., where I would then start doing my projects too in about six hours. Like every single project I did six hours before it was due. Sometimes I'd be playing upwards of 12, 16 hours. One weekend I even played 32 hours straight or I didn't leave my room. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I didn't do anything. Yeah, that was my experience as a gamer. I first quit around 19, but I struggled. I didn't really have the right tools, the right methods. And there was a lot of relapses, a lot of difficulties, but I'm now it's coming up to a year soon, actually, about nine or 10 months since I played a video game, since I thought about video games, since I had a craving to play. And it's been fantastic. Wow. Well, let's let's just back up a second. I love what you just said that when you were a teen that your game, I mean, I don't love it, but I love that you, the way you describe it, that, <laughs> your, that your game was replacing all the other activities. I think that is such a key point to make so when parents are dealing with this when their children are 10 you know you cannot imagine five years from now when your kid's 15 but what you just described actually was exactly what happened to my son adam and many of y'all have heard adam's story of course on this podcast in fact james it is like a cookie cutter description of what happened to us this whole replacement of activities is really the block, I think, that happens because during the time of your life when you're supposed to be developing lots of interests and hobbies and other things and your brain is just on overdrive trying to learn everything it can, you're derailed by the game, right? And it just becomes all that time. So when you were in high school, you said you played every day. How many hours do you think you played in high school every day? Well, it was every day. Uh, I, I walked home because I, I lived in the same town as my school. All my friends took the bus and we would all meet up about 4 p.m. That's when everyone got online. Then I'd play until dinner about 6 p.m. And then go back upstairs to my room and play from 7 until until time for bed, like 9, 10 p.m. Sometimes later or whenever my parents told me to get off. And I repeat to that 
almost every single day. So that was like five hours a day or something. Yeah, most days. Some days I had things like scouts, but that was one evening a week. Sometimes I would visit family or do whatever else. But yeah, it was uh, every day, three to five hours and doing my homework the day, the day, uh, the morning it was due, not bothering to do it at night. One of your videos that I, I, I just love all your videos on your YouTube channel. We'll definitely put that in the description here on the podcast, but you talk about uh, the no dis the lack of discipline. Unpack that a little bit more and the difference between the area of discipline in your life then and now. So back then I was, to put it simply, I was very undisciplined. I wasn't made to do chores. Uh, I had things pretty easy. I was a very bright kid and could get away with doing very little studying, very little schoolwork. And so as gaming took more of a hold on my life, it took up more time, I became more accustomed to that level of stimulation, which I'm sure, as you know, gaming provides a huge level of stimulation that not many other things can give you. And when you have that at such a moment's notice, it's so easy to access video games, just press a few buttons, and suddenly you're in a different world, you're accomplishing all these things, you feel like you're solving problems and building achievements and completing challenges, whatever it is. Slowly that starts to wear down your ability to to not only make the right decisions, but to really determine what it is you should be doing. Yeah. And one of the things I had to work on for a long time was replacing that the urge when things get difficult to fall back to gaming, fall back to the place where I'm comfortable. Because that was the main problem for me is gaming was my escape. Yeah. I was never taught to deal with hard things. When when the going gets tough, I I just <laughs> I just fell apart. I didn't get going. And that was my crutch. Gaming was the place I escaped to. So whenever I had a problem later in life, in university, with depression or whatever it was, I went back to gaming because I had no other way of dealing with it. And that's the biggest thing that I've had to deal with or work on over the last few years is finding healthy replacements, be it through building discipline with exercise and things like meditation, reading, journaling, and accomplishing hard things, sitting down and doing the work. That's probably the biggest thing that I've had to sort out over the last few years. And it's really what's made the difference. Yeah. I love what you just said that I was never taught to do hard things. I don't think as parents, we really realize how important it is for our kids to develop these habits of doing hard things. And really, honestly, it, it does come to chores around the house. I know that just sounds so trite and mundane, but that is part of it, teaching kids how to be comfortable with the mundane, how to be comfortable doing the same dishes every night, vacuuming, cleaning the room, cleaning the bathroom, walking the dog, all the stuff that as parents, we think, well, what difference does it make? Well, it makes a huge difference. And you're really touching on that here, that gaming is so, it's so easy for parents to not argue, not fight with their kids about chores and hard work and just let them do their games. And somehow we justify it. But I, I love what you just said, because that really, that really is the core of 
the problem with with allowing game gaming for little kids and allowing it to be an everyday thing in their life. See, because you're building this habit. So and and you sound just like my son. Exactly. In fact, <laughs> your your pathway, this is exactly what what happened when I even look at, you know, I'm taking my notes here and I'm saying, OK, four to six. Yep, that's what Adam did. He came home at four, got up with his friends online. This is so common. And then, oh, he would come to dinner, hopefully, you know, sometime we call him for dinner. He didn't even hear us, you know, and then he yeah. was very smart. And I want to just make a point right now to say that kids who are very good at the online games today, the ones that are really popular today, they tend to be really bright in school. They tend to be able to get their homework done quicker. Uh, I noticed this with Adam a lot. Not not only Adam, but many, many, many families that I talked to, and you included, it sounds like here, that your studies came easy to you. That wasn't really hard. Your game was an escape. The dopamine was great. And, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> so yeah. that's why to the email, to the mom I've got to write about her child gaming every day for an hour. First of all, I really don't think it's an hour. It's probably a lot more than an hour because I think parents underestimate the amount of time that their kids, I think gamers underestimate the amount of time that, you know, they're on gaming, that they're doing their games. Yeah. But I'm just going to tell her that you're really setting your, your child up for letting this be an escape because the more you're in it, the more you practice that escape, the better that escape becomes, the easier that escape becomes. And like you said, the less disciplined you are in real life, because that's your way out. That's just going to be the way you do life. So what made you quit? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking back some, uh, go back to my university memories. So I was about 19 years old and I just watched a random YouTube video. I think it might've been a gaming video. And before that video was an advert by a guy called Ty Lopez. And some people might know him. A lot of people probably don't, but he got quite famous by filming a video of him in his uh, garage with a Lamborghini um, talking about knowledge. And something about this video just kind of sparked me onto the world of entrepreneurship and business, it's personal development, which is something I had never experienced in my life. I was fully set on getting a degree, going, getting a job, doing whatever uh, typical path. And so I watched this guy's video, went to his website, instantly bought a load of books, uh, business books, finance books, uh, motivational stuff, self-help. And it made me realize how much time I was wasting playing video games. I was looking at ways I could try and save time, work on new skills, whatever it is. And I put into Google, how do I stop playing video games? Should I stop playing video games? And at the time I came across Game Quitters. This was six or seven years ago and i found a bunch of other people that had quit gaming found really positive results and so i decided to take the plunge and do a 90-day detox and that was my first experience with quitting gaming at 19. okay so you you just um kind of were self-motivated to do that that's awesome so when you did decide to quit did you have different times where you went back did you go back and forth Talk about gaming in moderation versus just cold turkey and getting rid of it all together. Oh, I could talk about moderation for a long time. <laughs> that, was, uh, that ruined many of my many of my streaks of no gaming. Um, wow! So the first time I quit, 
I was, I mean, it was incredible. My relationship with my girlfriend improved, my grades improved massively, my physical health, I was working out every day, my mental health was incredible. Everything was so amazing, I couldn't believe it. And about eight, nine, maybe 10 months later, uh, some friends of mine, we watched, they were watching someone else play FIFA, I think. And we tried, they, they thought it'd be a great idea if we all like reinstall the game and all play together and go back online and play the game. And I was like, and it's been 10 months since I played, I can moderate video games. No problem. It's not an issue for me. And within, I mean, my Xbox had been in my closet for months. I hadn't touched it. And within two weeks, if that, I was back to square one, 12 plus hours a day, skipping class, depression, poor hygiene, poor diet, everything uh, just collapsed. And over the next six years, I must have gone in and out of gaming at least a dozen times. It's been the bane of my life for, for a long time. Yeah, it was it was tough. <laughs> and it was a really, really difficult thing for me to overcome, that constant cycle. Uh, but it's uh, it's finally finally come to an end like i can very happily say so you probably would recommend to parents that if they're trying to get trying to guide their their kids and their gaming world right now that this thing about allowing gaming like on the weekends for example this is kind of a common thing that that i hear you know, yeah, my son has a problem. He has all the warning signs of this addiction, but I think on the weekends is okay because we just believe in moderation. I hear this all the time. What would you say to a parent who has a 15-year-old trying to moderate their, their games? I mean, would they be okay with them moderating smoking or drinking or drugs? At the end of the day, people like to say that they have an addictive personality and they get addicted to video games or whatever it is because of these things. But Video games are addictive substance. They've been designed to be addictive. They've designed to hook, especially young people in, young guys mostly. And you can make these excuses that they're, they're doing their chores, but how much do you need to celebrate doing a chore? It should be a basic thing that we do. And I wish I'd, I'd learned this at a young age, but doing the dishes, the laundry, whatever it is, they shouldn't be rewarded with. It's like, I don't know, you, your kids just put away the laundry or folded the clothes and you're like, here, go and take a cigarette break. Yes. It's like, <laughs> like back in the day, I'd be okay. Sure. Moderation is fine. But now that I know what I know about video games and I've looked into research from my experience, talking to people, it's, there's no such thing as moderation anymore, especially if you're an addict. And I don't see why, if you know, there's a problem with it, if you know that it causes damage to you and it, makes you suffer and makes all these problems in your life why you'd want to moderate it in the first place right if it's if there are no positives at all there's only negatives then you have to ask why is it something you want to moderate to and the only answer is that you're addicted to it and well, that's my answer <laughs> to that uh, my short answer to that oh and that's spoken from you know, someone who really knows and that that's what I want this audience to hear. And it's, it's why we exist at Screen Strong to really give parents a community and to kind of put words around it and to raise awareness. 
And it, it is a very bold message and we're fine with that. It sounds like you're fine with that. It sounds like more people need to be fine with just saying no to video games. Uh, just the way we say no to drugs and all those campaigns that are out there again, like I said, in the beginning of the show today, that we have to understand that this is not Pac-Man. This is not a game that is not addictive. These games are very addictive. Like Fortnite has all the elements of all the most addictive hooks that are possible in games. And that's why that game took off. That's why it is causing the problem that it's causing. I totally agree with you as far as moderation. I agree with you from the, the research and the science angle. I agree with you from the parenting angle. It is so difficult to manage a gaming habit if you're allowing any of it, which is why we have a game-free home. We've labeled our house a game-free house. We don't have video games in our house. We replace all that with other things. And I, I think hearing from you, someone who's been through it in such the way that you have, I think that gives you a, a lot of believability and, and just re really being an expert. We, we could call you the expert in quitting video games. How about that? <laughs> that sounds good. You can be an expert in some other things too. <laughs> I'm going to touch on what you just said a minute ago about having an addictive personality. I hear that a lot from parents. Oh, my son just has an addictive personality. Well, I really think we all have an addictive personality. <laughs> I think that <laughs> Maybe I wouldn't get so enamored with it again, but there's, of course, a lot of things that that women and girls, you know, get enamored with on Facebook and uh, TikTok and all these social yeah. media platforms. It's very, very similar. And I think for gamers, it's a lot hard, harder for boys because they find their sense of belonging there. They find competency there. They find their autonomy there. And these are all the hooks. What do you think? it was the biggest hook for you. It was the escape for you, but was, was it that competition? It sounds like you're really bright. It sounds like you really wanted to figure it out. Was that kind of what lured you in? Yeah, I think the main thing, I mean, there's the escapism aspect, but I don't think I was escaping when I was playing with my friends every day. I, don't, I wasn't, that was just like, it was just a habit. I think the reason why I did that was because I was, so good at video games mm -hmm. i was probably one of the best in the school if not the best at a lot of games and it allowed me to excel in an environment that was respected by other people because gaming is so normalized with guys especially um, mm -hmm. i think what over half the world play, plays video games or something two and a half billion gamers i'm not sure and so when you're so good at something and it's almost effortless, then it gives you a sense of belonging, which is so important for guys. And while I was still playing football or soccer and getting involved with other activities, as soon as I went home and turned on this video game, suddenly I was better than everyone else. And that competition really let me excel. And I think um, something I heard a couple of days ago, actually, from Warren Buffett or Bill Gates, they said that whatever you do the most between 13 to 18 is the thing that you have the best chance of becoming world class at. For me, that was video games, looking back. And it shows, like, throughout my life, I've had successful times on Twitch, live streaming video games. I was 
competing in tournaments and all this stuff. And that sense of accomplishment, that achievement, the challenge, competitiveness was really the driving force behind my video game use. Wow. That's a fascinating quote that what you do between 13 and 18, that is so correct. It is backed up by science. It is so clear. I just, I just love that you just said that because that's why parents and, and kids, and this is teenagers don't, you know, they they can't raise themselves. You know, I think probably the reason why you were so good at it is because you did start playing really young, right? And it, like my my son too, it it just those brain pathways get paved, and they're like deep ruts in your reward center, and we go to the path of least resistance and this is how our, our brains work and what you practice becomes permanent in your life. And so as you do this during the time of your life, during 13 to 18, where your brain is extremely malleable and it's really forming and the architecture around what will be there for the rest of your life. This is why addictions that are started in childhood are so damaging. We know that 90% of all adult addictions begin in adolescence. And this is why. So it's, it's all back, you know, it's, it's all very data driven and scientific. And it, it's just wonderful that you were able to get a clear direction after, you know, and being able to walk away and change your, your pathways and change what you default to it's fascinating that you were able to do that. A lot of people can't. A lot of people stay stuck in that cycle that you described, sort of like those yo-yo diets, you know, where you, yeah. you're on a diet and then you gain the weight back and then you're on a diet and you gain the weight back, you know. <laughs> it's very similar what you described with with getting off. On one of your videos, you like you had three things you talked about, the mental, the physical, and the emotional aspects. And on the emotional aspect, you talked about just becoming bitter and resentful and selfish and being angry. Describe that in, in just like a, like when you were in high school, because I, I really related to that. That happened to my son. And I know he's a good kid. You know, you're a good kid, I'm sure. Back then, it wasn't like you were a mean person. But this game would do something to him. And the way you describe that, just for our audience, describe like if they have young kids gaming right now, describe what what this grows into with this emotional, the emotional issues around it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for context, I, I don't think I got into trouble once in 18 years of school, not a single time. But when I played video games, I was, I found myself becoming quick to get angry. The slightest thing would tip me off. It could be my girlfriend at the time or my parents asking me to do something like a chore some basic instructions i'm not sure anything i think the main reason that that gaming causes us to to change in such a way to bring on all these emotions is it's not just because it like of all the the social problems it causes like the lack of social connection the lack of real world contact i think that can play a part but ultimately i think that like any addict when you're away from video games just going throughout normal life you're constantly thinking about it you're constantly trying to get back and waiting counting down the seconds until you can get home and play and so anything that might get in the way of that that might take more free time from you like an after school club anything like that can just make you snap and 
it's really kind of scary. It was something that I noticed a lot more in university as opposed to high school. Why that is, I'm not sure. But yeah, it's a, it was a really big problem for me. And whenever I would go back into a gaming and I relapse and I would see the, the damage it did to my relationships, my friends, my loved ones, and I could see how hurt they were. That's usually when I would snap myself back into reality and think, yeah, you've got to you've got to do something about this because when we're in a lot of parents and people that are close to gamers, I think this is really important to understand is gamers, they form a bubble around themselves that they can't see what's happening outside of that bubble. They can't see the impact of their actions. You might get a father who's neglecting his young children and the wife is just distraught. She can't understand why he would choose them over or why he would choose video games over his children. But he can't even see a problem with it. He's just so focused on himself. He can't see outside of that bubble. And if you're able to penetrate it, to pop that bubble and get them to realize that there's a problem, then that's that can usually help a lot to kind of snap someone back into reality but when when they're stuck inside there it's it really changes you as a person and i think that what you described is from the medical description would be that you would get into that fight flight mode and all of your adrenaline would be rushing you would have cortisol rush you know you have the fight flight chemicals that are engaged yep. in your brain and your brain doesn't really know that you're not in that battle, right? It's a real battle. And really you're just sitting on the sofa playing and somebody walks in the room and interrupts you and you get mad at them, <laughs> but your brain really believes that you're in the battlefield shooting people. And I think what you're describing is a very normal reaction this, from stress. So when our body is under stress and our, our brain is connected to this, event in the video game, it has a visceral response. It has a physical response. Like if you were to take your blood pressure, your blood pressure would be higher. You would be anxious. You are fighting for your life. And in that state, that's where the anger can be seen. Yeah. Because if you get interrupted, you have, it's almost just a knee-jerk reaction to someone disturbing you, like calling you to come eat dinner, right? Um, that's, that's not, your brain doesn't, can't deal with that. Um, the frontal cortex is sort of shutting down. You're all in this limbic area of your brain and you're in fight flight mode. And that's where this comes. And people tell me all the time, like this game is turning my kid into somebody I don't know. I don't know who he is when he's playing. He's a different person. We hear these descriptions all the time in one of your um, videos, you you said something, I just remembered it, that when you escape from the virtual world of video games, it's like you're lifting a veil from your soul. I, I thought that was really touching what you described. It is like the bubble bust. You you get out and you get saved, yeah. you know? It's like, yeah, exactly. I love the way you said that. I love it too. That's it. I'm surprised I said it. <laughs> it came out so uh, well. <laughs> yeah, it did. With Screen Strong, we have a very bold message to delay the use of this until your 
your kids are, I don't know, older or maybe never. Um, but just to delay, it's okay to delay. It's okay. We don't have to give our kids all these video games and smartphones and all the stuff that's going to hurt them. They tell me, well, Melanie, I think that by doing that, you're overprotecting your kids and you're living in a bubble, which is so interesting. They say that word to me a lot. And when you just said that a minute ago about you're bursting the bubble and you're lifting the veil and you're getting out, that is so true. I really believe that gamers and kids and people that are all so connected and so immersed and controlled by the virtual world, they're the ones in the bubble. We are not in the yeah. bubble. We are out. We are free. <laughs> we <laughs> have <been> free <laughs> from the bubble. So I love that you said that. And I love that it, it came so organically from, yeah. from your experience. That's just fascinating that you um, even chose that same description. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. it sounds great uh, hearing it back. And to touch on that, um, that idea of creating safe space for your children is something that really negatively impacted my upbringing. As, uh, and it's it's interesting. For a long time, I blamed my parents for it, and I was angry at them for not instilling discipline into me and making me comfortable with hard things. It took a long time to forgive them because ultimately parenting is is tough uh, if i had to have a kid now at 25 i don't know if i would be able to handle it i don't know how it would go so fortunately i went through that but when you try to protect your kids from all these all these things and you you think that taking away games and screens is keeping them inside a bubble if anything it's the absolute opposite if you get them involved in things like music and combat sports, which the thought for most parents getting their kid involved in, a, in fighting is ludicrous. Like they don't want them to get hurt, but if they're a young man, then something like that to replace the competitive nature of gaming, to get them fit, to get them, uh, get their adrenaline pumping, get their testosterone up and give them a healthy outlet for their emotions. Instead of, retreating to video games they can process them in these these activities that might feel like they're, they're dangerous and they can harm your kids but sheltering them from those things shielding them from those difficult those struggles those battles is only going to harm them in the long run and i completely agree that limiting or restricting kids from playing until they're much older i think would have a huge impact on people's ability to get things done to be emotionally and mentally physically healthy to get better jobs earn more money for reference like i was i started playing piano at nine years old i was uh, playing guitar at 12 or 13 i was great at sports and bright i went to study physics at university and it all came crashing down because of video games because i'd never been subjected to those difficult things those tough situations so sheltering is one of the worst things you can do as hard as it can be i imagine it must be so hard for parents to want to do that for their kids but that's my perspective on it they want their kids to be happy and yeah. they think the game makes them happy which it does on some weird level <laughs> but ultimately it doesn't right it makes them happy the way a drug makes a drug addict happy but it um, what makes them happy is 
achieving things, hard things in real life, you know, winning the football game after you've lost 10 football games, that makes you happy. That's that real core emotional happiness that we're after. And the game is just this fake. It's all so fake. It means nothing in real life. You have nothing to show for it. There's, there's no productivity. You're actually only using somebody else's creativity is the person who made the game. You're not even using your own creativity. There's so many things that derail our kids, but it is so hard for parents to say no to this stuff. And I, I just, I mean, I just appreciate your story so much. We need to get you on more platforms. We need to get your story out there. You are such a great example of, of what, you know, could have happened and what didn't happen. And (laughs) you are now able to talk about your experience and you're very articulate about it. We really need more people to step up. I think there's a lot of shame and guilt and embarrassment around this. And I know sometimes people say to me, you know, wow, you, you know, you've really gone out on a limb to be transparent and share your trouble and your problems. And I'm like, oh no, you don't understand. It's like, I want the whole world to understand this. And you probably feel the same way. Absolutely. It's uh, I get those same comments. Yeah. People always respect my honesty. And I just think it's, it's second nature to me now. I've done so many interviews, like BBC, whatever. And they always, I always go down as, as deep as I can, because if it can help just one person, identify or resonate with my story, then that makes all the difference. Well, I know that you've helped more than one person today, James. We are so thrilled to know you and to have you join up with our effort to raise awareness and educate more people on this issue. We have to speak out. We have to speak out. We have to quit trying to put the Band-Aid on it and say that an hour a day is okay. <laughs> it's not okay. It's <laughs> It's really not working. And parents, if you're out there listening and you think, well, my kid plays an hour a day and it's okay. Well, it may be okay, you think right now, but it can turn on a dime and it can all of a sudden not be okay. And just like what happened to Adam and what happened to James, they go away to university, to college. They all of a sudden get into a much deeper layer. Uh, What happened with you exactly happened to Adam, stayed in his room the whole week. He didn't even eat. He didn't sleep. He was just um, crashing over this, this video game. So I am so thankful to know you. I'm so excited that you're out there on the trail and saving kids. Every time we talk about this, um, more kids are saved. James, just as we wrap up, there are parents that are listening that are really struggling. They're like where your parents were when you were in you know, high school, maybe they have a sophomore, junior, senior, and their their kids are gaming five hours a day. What what is some final encouragement that you can give them? What what can you leave us with? I guess what I would say to parents is that you need to be firm with your decision. Whatever you decide to do about about video games, don't go back on your your on your word. Don't break uh, your promises, whatever it might be, your limitations you place on gaming. And as hard as it might be to restrict them, to ban gaming from your house, to do whatever it takes to get rid of gaming, 
you have to be strong. You have to stick through with it because if you don't, it could have such drastic problems later on in life that you can't foresee right now whether they're eight years old, 10 or 15, whatever it might be. You need to really be sure uh, with your decision, with your actions, and do what you can to help them thrive and give them all the tools, all the resources they need to develop an incredible life later on, to build that discipline, to deal with hard things, to build emotional intelligence and improve their mental, physical health. And if you do that early on and you can get them to avoid video games, then it'll have a drastic improvement later down the line. And no matter what happens, don't give up. It'll be tough. It's uh, There'll be a lot of failures. There'll be a lot of mistakes. But if you keep going, eventually things will start to brighten up and will improve. Wow, thank you. That is so encouraging. We need to hear it. We need to hear about being strong and being consistent because we get pulled by the culture every day that tells us we're crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> we are, um, we need to hear those words coming from you and, uh, know you feel like you want to shout it from the rooftops because you've been there. And, and whenever we have experienced something so personal, it becomes so passionate to help other people not make the same mistakes. And so thank you so much for coming today and for those words of encouragement to parents to be strong and to be confident. And, and that's what we're trying to do at Screen Strong. We're trying to give you the tools and the education to be confident and to take these stories like James talked about today and just the story of his whole testimony here with his, his gaming and to turn it into good. And, you know, I, I was teaching a class yesterday and I told the audience what do you have to lose? Right. <laughs> so what if you, what if we're all wrong and, and your kid just learned how to play the piano instead of video games? What is the worst thing that can happen? You will be <laughs> spending more time with your kids. They'll be healthier. Like James said, they'll be more emotionally stable. There's so many benefits and you'll like your kids more. I'll tell you that. I know that's kind of edgy <laughs> going out there to say that, but it is really hard, James, when parents are, are raising as they get to be teenagers and boy, there's a, there's such a struggle. So we have to work yeah. on those relationships and, and parents, you can't compete with a video game. You're never going to be as exciting as a video game. You're not going to be lighting up and um, offering gold coins. Although I feel like we, we offer gold coins a lot to our kids now to go have fun <laughs> doing other things in, in real life. But James, thank you so much for that wonderful encouragement to parents to hang in there, be tough, be strong, and it will pay off. Thank you so much for, for coming on today, James. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Well, I hope that everyone enjoyed listening today. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and head over to our website to donate and learn more about our Screen Strong Challenge. Make sure to join our Screen Strong Families Facebook group where you will find support from other parents just like you. Remember, we've got your back and we are here to help you. So until next time, stand up for your kids, 
stand out from the crowd, and stay strong.